Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we started recording episodes virtually instead of being in the same room together. This created technical issues for us for many weeks. Our sound issues get better beginning with the pros and cons episode. In the meantime, we appreciate your patience with the sound issues that are present in this episode. Dialectical Behavior Therapy was created in the 1980s by Marsha Linehan in Seattle, Washington. Today, DBT is taught all over the world. We're two therapists who believe everyone can benefit from DBT skills. I'm Kate. I'm Michelle. And this is DBT and Me. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Hello, says Kate. Um, welcome back for another week of DBT and Me virtual edition, <laughs> I guess we could say. <laughs> DBT social distancing. Yes, social distancing DBT, yes. With, with Kate and I not being in the same room. Um, and yet... Or county? <laughs> no, yeah, we actually live pretty far apart. I mean, you're a good hour and a half, I think, away yeah. from me. Are you in Snohomish County? Like, what's yes, county? yes. Okay. Technically, yeah. I am in Snohomish County, and you're way down south. Um, yep. For locals out there, Kate lives in Auburn. I live in Monroe. That will mean nothing yeah. to anyone who doesn't live in the state of Washington. <laughs> but we live a decent ways apart. Um, but today... Oh, from my bedroom to your closet. <laughs> yes, that's where we are. I'm in my walk-in closet where the sound quality is better than anywhere else in my house, and Kate's in her bedroom. So here we are coming to you guys from those locations, and today we're going to be covering another emotion regulation skill called Check the Facts. Yep, exactly. So, I don't know, I'll share my thoughts on this skill before we get into actually how you do it. And then, Kate, you can share some of your thoughts too, perhaps. But check the facts is, I feel like, a skill that really harkens back to when we talked about Wise Mind all those weeks ago. Because when we're in our emotion mind, we're not thinking about the facts of a situation (laughs) more often than not. We're making decisions based off of what our emotions are telling us to do and what we feel. Sometimes that can go really well. Sometimes that can go disastrously, if that's a word. Is that a word, Kate? Disastrously? Okay, cool. It sounded kind of weird as I said it. (laughs) But things can go really bad occasionally if we just do what our emotions tell us to do without any concern or regard for the facts of the situation. So this skill of check the facts is really here so that ideally we can maybe use it in the moment (laughs) when the thing has happened that has created some emotional stirrings within us. We can pause, check the facts to make more of a wise mind choice. It's also a good debriefing skill, I think of it a little bit of if after the fact, (laughs) like after the event is done and you responded in a way that later on you realize maybe once you're away from the situation, maybe less in your emotion mind, oh man, that was rough. (laughs) It can help 
you really learn from that situation and maybe help you make a decision the next time you're in a similar situation that might get you on better footing where you're not making such an emotion mind decision that could get you into trouble potentially. So that's how I think of this skill. What comes to mind for you would check the facts. Well, you were also, you were talking about how, um, you know, if you're in your emotion mind, you're not really thinking about the facts. I would, I don't know about like challenge, but like, I don't know. Tweak it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, cause I think it's not thinking about the facts or <laughs> you're certain you are. Um, <laughs> that is very true. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. That's a great point. Really know what the facts are. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not so much actually. Um, and so I think this is a good chance to like go through a process where you're like, I know what's going on. And then you're like, maybe I, I've heard of people going through like the worksheet and stuff several times in a row, like whittling mm -hmm. it down more and more and more and more until they really just firmly have the, um, what's the O word I'm looking for? Uh, oh, I forgot the objective. Mm -hmm. The objective fact. Right, of the situation. Sometimes that can take like repetitively going through this um, until you've taken your emotion out of the facts, which can be really, really, really hard, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But so, yeah, I was going to say either you're not thinking about the facts or, you know, you think you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You're getting, and we talked about this some, I think, with Emotions 101, but you're thinking that your feelings are facts yeah. when they're not you're, actually. You're, you're, you're allowing your your feelings to influence your thoughts in such a way that yes yeah. yes that's a, that's a good way I think to put we it. talked about this gosh like forever ago in the mindfulness stuff like it's it's just an orange wall uh-huh it's not a hideous orange wall yes <laughs> this is, is not a fact <laughs> yes yeah exactly uh yeah i think that's that's kind of but I, I exactly it's a good it's good you know pared down version i don't know many people are gonna i don't know keep the worksheet in their glove compartment and whip it out and do it in the moment but once you've practiced it a couple of times it can be something where you can do kind of a pared down version in the moment mm -hmm. um i think i'll talk about that a little bit when you're going into how to do it like the one the, the one question mm -hmm. to kind of summarize the whole thing as um but yeah there's, there's like a pared down version you can do in the moment or i think the more rigorous kind of step-by-step -step thing can be really nice after a situation mm -hmm. yeah Totally. Great. Or sometimes prepare yourself for a situation. This could be kind of a different way of kind of coping ahead. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah, with what we talked about last week with coping ahead, you know, if you can see an event on the horizon that's making you, like, that's creating a strong emotion within you <laughs> and you're worrying about it or, I don't know, you're just having any emotional response thinking about this thing that's looming using check the facts actually for those moments can be really helpful and maybe part of how you cope ahead for that situation that's coming is to be like hold on is all this worry or anxiety that i'm feeling does this really fit the facts of the situation especially a situation that hasn't happened yep. you know <laughs> there's a lot we don't know that hasn't happened what what the facts that you're aware of are going to be probably fairly slim pretty minimal yeah yep definitely okay um so i think the 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 part that i'm talking about is just sort of a lead up into what check the facts is to kind of show how important it can be to check the facts and just sort of an illustration of how much our 
our feelings and our interpretations sort of that we put on the bear effects can have a huge impact on what our reactions are both in, internally and our actions um so my favorite uh, i am a i am a commuter i do an unfortunate amount of driving uh so <laughs> a lot of the uh, examples i bring to dbt are driving focused because you know what irritates us more and so lots of us more. drive it's a pretty universal <laughs> example more or less not as universal as we can get uh, so uh i like to talk about the example of if you're driving along and someone cuts you off right like you have to slam on your brakes to avoid hitting them like it's all very ruffling <laughs> right so in that situation right the bare facts would be something like the person driving that car moved over in front of me without enough room, right? They, they cut me off, right? That that happened. That car moved into that space that I was occupying a moment ago. That's all we know. That, that's what we know. That's what we know for absolute certain. Now, uh, you may not feel like it. If this is something that takes some practice to be able to catch this. But, you know, as soon as that action happens, I start interpreting the events, right? Um, and that's going to have a huge impact on how I feel and how I respond. So obviously there's more than two, two options here, but I'm going to sort of go down two different paths. One of them, and pardon me, I don't actually know how to get this idea across without a lot of swearing, but like, the person moves over in front of you, cuts you off, and you're like, God damn it, right? That asshole right, thinks that he's more important than I am and doesn't care about my safety and oh, I guess where you're going is so important. Right? Like this. There's some road rage. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Road ragey, right? That your interpretation is that person took that action deliberately, knowing what the consequences would or could be, and did it anyway, right? Like, that's the interpretation. Um, along, you know, if we follow that track, we're probably going to be pretty pissed, <laughs> right? Um, there's probably an amount of, like, fear and startlement that are unavoidable when someone does something and you have to react quickly on the road. But there's also likely to be, yeah, a lot of that anger, right? If we think that person did that deliberately and doesn't give a shit about us, right? Or our safety or our well-being. Or our well-being. There you go. <laughs> right, so that's one option. Uh, option two, person moves over in front of me, cuts me off, and, you know, I have that startlement, I have that fear, you know, that initial, whew, when you have to respond quickly. But then my interpretation might be, you know what? I bet it was just on accident. I have certainly cut people off on accident before. They were in my blind spot or I was distracted. You know, we all like to think we're not, but everyone drives distracted to some extent or another, even if you're not doing the typical on your phone or whatever things. You're using your own head a little bit, right? And you just weren't paying close enough attention or someone was in your blind spot. I have absolutely cut people off unintentionally in my life when driving. Uh, so if my interpretation of that other driver's actions or something like, you know what, I bet I was in their blind spot and they just didn't see me. Um, I'm still going to have the fear, I'm going to have the startlement, but I'm not going to have the anger, right? If I, I've chosen instead to take, to give that person the benefit of the doubt, um, and also to take a path that has more, more empathy, more compassion in it, like I can relate their activities to my own experiences in a way that helps me be more forgiving. Yeah. Um, passionate and kind towards it. And your actions uh, so, are going to be different because you're not going to be having the road ragey response. Yeah, you're probably like, just going to keep driving. Like, even though, the, like you said, that fear emotion still may be stirring within you, 
your actions are going to be different because you're not going to be like you know yeah swearing at the other driver or anything like that you know, swearing at them flipping them off mm -hmm. i mean if you're particularly in your anger not to call anybody including myself out i swear um but you know you don't tailgate you won't you know like if you're really angry you might tailgate you might flip them off you might mm -hmm. be swearing um you know you might honk or lay on your horn right there's all these sort of aggressive actions that anger sort of spurs us towards um, whereas if I'm like, you know, I bet it was just an accident. I might give them a little extra space mm -hmm. <laughs> just for the sake of caution <laughs> or move into a different lane or whatever, right? If we're like, you know, probably a mistake, but just in case, <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna give them a little extra space. Um, but yeah, it's probably, you know, they're going to have very different responses, both internally and in our actions. And I think that a lot of what Check the Facts is talking about is that, um, what I know, what the actual facts are of that situation, is a car cut me off. That's it. That's all I know. I am not psychic. I, you know, cannot perform, what is it, not telekinesis, what, what were you three people think? Telepathy? Telepathy, thank you. Right, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't read their minds, right? I don't know if that person was doing that intentionally or accidentally, right? I don't know what their attitude towards me or the world or anything else is. I don't know what's going on in their life right now, right? I know nothing other than that car moved over in front of me um and so i think a lot of what checks the check the facts is about is giving you that opportunity and to both practice and hopefully get a little bit more able to do in the moment that wait a second all right how much of my response right now is coming from the actual thing that happened or you know might you know, will happen if we're talking about sort of the coping ahead thing how much how much is coming from the actual facts and how much is coming from how I'm choosing to interpret those facts. Um, and, you know, we find all sorts of different answers. I'm sure you'll cover this later, Michelle, but, um, you know, check the facts can, can go a couple different ways. One of them can be like, oh, no, my emotional response is not based on the facts. <laughs> and maybe it's just, you know, uh, you know, not, not commensurate with what's actually going on, maybe not so appropriate either in the tone or the level of the emotion. Um, and sometimes check the facts leads to yeah, yep, that's correct. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my, my emotions absolutely fix and fit that, right? Like, um, and I think about in the example I'm giving, because obviously you can have multiple feelings about any given situation. Um, the fear, I think, is, you know, the fear and the startlement is absolutely correct in that situation. You would have every reason to have a fear response to someone, you know, almost causing an accident with you. That makes perfect sense. Um, but the anger may not be, right? Mm. Uh, you know, that actor, 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 <laughs> that driver could <laughs> certainly act in ways um, that might give you other hints. Maybe they flip you off or, you know, right? there's all sorts of things, things can go from there. But, uh, you know, in the simple situation, you can look at different, different emotions and whether they yeah, fit the facts or not. Mm -hmm. So, anything to add about that part before you go into the technical nitty gritty, Michelle? No, I think you hit on it really well with that example, um, which is basically that, yeah, there are all these different components at play. There's the event and the facts of the event that happened. Then there's noticing the emotions, and there could potentially be multiple emotions. <laughs> and then, yeah, how you think and how you interpret the event that happened. <laughs> and then the actions on your part that you may or may not do based off of, you know, whatever the emotional urge 
is that's coming up for you. So there's all these different pieces and I think it's really important to look at look at all of those things in a situation and I think check the facts really helps us take a look at all of that yeah, and, and summarize it down a field of, you know a little bit because I, I do feel like a lot of times we kind of imagine all of that happens you know in the blink of an eye mm -hmm. um, when realistically there there are moments right in in processes where we can you know go hang on a second <laughs> let me look at that right uh yeah and you can always i don't know um, maybe this is too much to i don't know to thinking about too hard but you can also change course mm -hmm. right you can have that sort of uh, immediate anger and then check yourself yeah <laughs> you'd be like mother actually i don't know yeah <laughs> like, it's not like well i'm committed to being angry now mm -hmm. like no other options Right? So if you feel like you have a really hard time, you're like, you know, you're imagining what we're going to talk about today, and you're like, well, there's no way. I just have a feeling instantaneously. I can't, you know, interrupt that process. I can't get ahead of it. Um, well, A, with practice, you might be able to. Right? Mm -hmm. I can understand it being really hard now, but with practice, things like that can get easier. But even if you can't, it doesn't mean you're committed. <laughs> okay? You can engage in that initial emotional response and then change course. Yep. based on looking at the facts and sort of reassessing your response. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, this is a bit of a sneak preview into next week's skill that we're going to be talking about, which is opposite action. Um, but check the facts and opposite action go hand in hand because the skill of opposite action really talks about what Kate was just saying of like, we can course correct. Like, we can start off with this response and this reaction. <laughs> and then if it's not the most, you know, effective thing we could be doing, we can notice that and we can change. And check the facts is really here, here to help you with the noticing in the first place. If we don't do, <laughs> if we don't check the facts and kind of check ourselves, we're not going to do anything different. We're going to just stay on the first path we picked even if it's not genuinely the path we want to be on with how we're yeah. responding, we're just going to take it and run with it. And opposite action shows us like, no, there's this other path of what you can do instead. But we need check the facts to help us make that change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So getting into how do you do this? Hopefully you're getting an understanding of what we're meaning so far with check the facts. And hopefully definitely by the time I go through how you do it, <laughs> you'll feel like you have a good understanding of it. The way the DBT does check the facts is basically in worksheet form. DBT really recommends that if you want to use this skill, you take the worksheet that they have created for how to go through this step by step and you would like sit down basically with paper and pen and you would try to do this worksheet um is like i would say the gold letter gold letter gold standard gold star i don't know what i'm trying to say like the ideal way <laughs> to do check the facts is to fill out this worksheet that dbt has created for how to do it um because it does really you know I don't want to use the word force you to but you have to in a way sit down and really engage that reasonable mind part of your brain in order to think through and write in responses to all 
the question. So we're going to be showing you guys what that worksheet is. We are going to post it in the Facebook group, but check the facts can be either really lengthy, formal mm -hmm. process, or it can be a really quick nitty gritty process. So yep. you can adjust it to fit you. And one of the things that we recommend a lot in the groups that we lead when we're teaching check the facts is with the six things that I'm about to walk through, like the step by steps of how to do it, that basically, again, because we have our phones on us all the time, yay technology, like take a picture of this and just keep that on your phone so that if you are finding yourself in a situation and if it makes sense, you can just pull that up, look at it, quickly go through the questions in your head, which again, once you've practiced this a little bit, you can do pretty quickly and come to a conclusion of does my emotion and or its intensity, which we'll talk about, does that fit the facts? Yes or no? Um, so yeah, it can be really drawn out or it can be really short is I think what I want to start by saying before I get into, into it. what it is. Yeah, <laughs> because this can be overwhelming at first for some people seeing the worksheet or seeing all the steps is like that is too much to think about in the moment. And like Kate said, you know, it can be boiled down to really one main question that you ask yourself, but you can go more in depth if you need to. So there's options here. Um, but I'm going to get into the six different steps that DBT talks about for this skill. So the first question to ask yourself is, what is the emotion I want to change? If we don't know what the emotion is, we're probably not going to be able to know if that emotion fits the facts because we don't know what the emotion is to begin with. Um, some of the stuff we talked about a few weeks ago when the two different emotions 101 episodes, you know, to bring some of that back, we have five core emotions, anger, fear, disgust, sadness, and joy. So try to maybe at least scroll through those five options in your head. <laughs> if you're having a hard time pinpointing it of which of those five does this emotion fall into, you may know immediately right off the bat what your emotion is, or you may not be able to tell so much, or I think even this may be this seemed to me anyways that as you were going over the example kate like at first you were talking about the fear a lot yeah. and then as you were talking about it you were kind of like oh and there's anger <laughs> you know oh by the way there's this other emotion too um so there may be multiple emotions there may be just one emotion mm -hmm. but first we've got to know what the emotion is and the language here is specifically what is the emotion i want to change like kate said in that example she didn't necessarily want to change the fear, um, yeah. but the anger. That was the emotion that she was like, hold on, you know, is is this the, uh, you know, this is the one that's maybe taking me down a path that I'm not sure I want to go down of like tailgating this guy and whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so picking, I would say as best you can, Kate, you can give me your thoughts on this, but I would say picking, again, you got to know what you're feeling, but picking, again, like one emotion, if there's multiples of like, this is the one I maybe want to think about. Does this examine. particular one? Yeah, that I want to examine. I like that word there. Yeah, it's a lot to change, but I feel like that's a question that you don't have the answer to yet because I think it's like, what what, what feeling do I want to examine? What do I want to look mm -hmm. at to see if it fits the facts or not? I like that phrasing a hell of a lot better than what do I want to change? Because I think, again, it's important to re-acknowledge here that we're not necessarily trying to change the emotions 
Um, and yeah, I've been using that word up until this point because that's the term DBT uses. <laughs> but it's not that I'm wanting to change the emotion. It's that I'm wanting to, yeah, I'm wanting to examine it, get more information about it. And our emotions can lead to actions that we don't like. But that's why we, you know, and again, we'll talk about it next week. I don't want to keep saying that over and over, but <laughs> with opposite action, like we will talk about how to change the actions without changing the emotions. Like you can still feel the anger and you can choose a totally different response. So, yeah. Which often has the end result of shifting your emotional state, but it yes. doesn't mean that necessarily shifting your emotional state is the first goal. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's the first question. What's the emotion that is DBT points that I want to change, but I like Kate's term. What is the emotion I want to examine? So we'll go with that. Then it asks, what is the event prompting my emotion? And this part is key to be as objective and factual as possible. Like Kate said with her example, a car, you know, moved over into my lane in front of me you know, um, with not enough room or whatever it is. Um, we want to really be mindful of not picking emotionally charged words, right? Instead of the orange wall is hideous, that wall is orange. That's where we want to be getting to here. Rather than that person was a bitch to me, you know, that person said da 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 you know, we yep. want to really make it objective so that in an ideal world, you could describe that situation <laughs> to a wide variety of people who witnessed it. Right, and everyone would agree. Yep. And everyone would agree. Like, put on your courtroom hat a little bit. And if you were like, <laughs> I don't know, going in front of a judge, right? Like, how to be as factual as possible with what happened. And sometimes just doing that process alone of thinking about the situation in a more objective way already may shift things internally for you to just take out some of those really charged words that we might be tempted to go towards. But to really describe the event as factually as possible. And you may have to revise this in your head a couple times before it's truly factual. Like, it may start off, I'm trying to think about with your example. Like, it may start off with, well, that guy was an idiot. That's what happened. You know, it may start off there. And then it might be like, um, I don't know. Well, he was being, you know, really unaware or, yeah, or stupid or whatever. Like, you know, and then eventually we get down to, like, the actual facts. So you may have to revise this a couple of times. For some people, this may come very naturally. For some people, this may be really hard. But to try to then ask yourself, okay, what was the, you know, again, prompting event is how DBT puts it. But what was the thing that happened? And to be as factual as you can with what it was and how you're thinking like about it. I feel like when it talks about facts, you observe your senses. I think that's like a good way to like filter it a little bit. Can you say like, it one more time? Yeah, sorry. Um, that uh, on the worksheet it talks about what did you observe through your senses. Yeah, that's a really good filter. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, my senses aren't telling me that douche nozzle is an idiot. Yeah, that's 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 definitely internal. Yeah, <laughs> that's, not, that's not my senses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, this is what I saw. This is what I heard. You know, whatever it is. Um, 
yeah. So then moving down to part three, so you know by this point what your emotions are and what the prompting event was, the thing that happened. Then this is a key question here. What are my interpretations, thoughts, and assumptions about the event? What am I telling myself? This is where we can get into, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> this is where we can get into that. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, is This is where we can say, you know, these are my opinions. This is how it looked to me. Um, this is what I think about what's happening. All of that. Now we can get subjective, basically. Because if we don't have awareness around what we're subjectively telling ourselves, we can't change it or examine it we you know we gotta first know what it's there go for it kate oh well i i don't know i just had this like idea come to my head where i feel like i don't know the question above it you can almost see this as like a like a, a strainer or something and so the facts the bare facts uh, of the situation get strained out and that's what you answer in question two you know what was the prompting event mm -hmm. and then all of the stuff that you remove from the facts falls down through that filter and ends up in question three yep <laughs> you may actually already have a pretty good hint of what a lot of these things were because they're the stuff you had to shave off of the facts <laughs> in order to get down to just the facts so i feel like that's a kind of a cool way that those two things go together yeah you probably have a hint about what your interpretations and opinions are because they're the stuff you had to get out the way. Yep. No, I really like that way of thinking about it. I think that makes a lot of sense. And the other thing that it says here on the worksheet is to think of other possible interpretations. So to know what your interpretations are, but this is also the time to get a little bit curious about what else could it be? I encourage you to think of at least one other alternative. Again, you don't know if it's factual or true or anything like that, but this is a good practice in thinking dialectically is being able to consider other possibilities rather than just considering the possibility that the driver was an asshole. Like Kate said, you can also consider the possibility that they just didn't see you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> there are other sides to consider. I would argue in every situation we encounter most of the time, like there's that expression of there's two sides to every story. It's that sort of an idea. What's another possible side, you know, whether it's, you know, quote unquote, right or wrong, what's another possibility? This is the step as well where DBT kind of pauses and encourages you to think about that. Like, what's my side, <laughs> my opinions, my viewpoint, what's another possibility as well? I think things like, um, oh, sorry, it's super echoey on your side and I sound to myself like I'm talking underneath water. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, the, um, I don't know, like if someone isn't responding to a text message you sent. Yes. Um, like one interpretation could be they hate me, they're mad at me, right? Something like that. Uh, the other one could be their phone battery died. You don't know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right, so I don't know. I like that idea too. Like exactly what you were saying. I was just thinking another example. No, I think that's a fantastic example. I love using phone examples, too, because that's another pretty universal one <laughs> of, you know, most, if not all of us have phones and most, if not all of us have had an experience where we, yeah, maybe haven't gotten an immediate response from someone and we can create all kinds of stories in our head for why that is. It's not true. <laughs> 
if you're going to be telling yourself the story, you might as well get creative and find a lot of different stories you can tell yourself. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Think through a bunch and leave them all open as possibilities for what's going on. So that's number three, right? What are my interpretations, thoughts, and assumptions about the event? How can I consider really some other sides here as part of that? The fourth step is asking yourself, am I assuming a threat? And I think this is an interesting question because the answer may not always be yes, but I'm guessing most of the time the answer is yes to this question. I mean, Kate, you can tell me your thoughts on that in a moment here, but like, I don't know, threat can be a very vague, broad term. It could mean bodily harm, like, you know, with the driver example, was Kate assuming a threat? I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, there could have been real harm there. Um, but I think with that phone example that was just being talked about, that's also assuming a threat. Oh, this person doesn't like me. You know, something something is going wrong. Something bad is happening. Um, a that's, social threat. Yeah, a social threat. Like, basically, there's typically what this question I think is really asking is like, what's your fear? Like, is there something that you're afraid of here? And to look at that, and again, not always, but I think in the vast majority of cases, the answer to this question is typically, I think, in the affirmative, <laughs> that yeah, there is something that I'm really worried about or afraid of, even if physically I'm totally fine. Um, again, like socially, there's something that I'm worried about happening. Um, there's something that I'm concerned about as a possibility. So I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on that question? No, I mean, you kind of covered exactly the thing I was thinking was that I think some people take threats too literally mm -hmm. here, um, as just like invisible danger. Um, and it can, you know, it's mental, it's emotional, it's social, right? It's, it's got, you know, so many different things. And also like threats, I, I hadn't thought about this until I was about to say it, but doesn't also necessarily have to be to you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you could be thinking that whatever the thing is going on is a threat to a loved one, right? Or as a threat to, uh, you know, an existential threat. I mean, like a threat to your job, right? Which is sort of to you, but not quite, right? So there's, like, mm -hmm. financial threat. There's so many different categories that I, I think Michelle is putting it perfectly. Like, spend some time trying to suss out this, because a lot of the times the answer is going to be yes somewhere. Mm hmm Yep. And this makes a lot of evolutionary sense because as human beings even though we live in a very different world that we lived in <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago when we were first coming to be um as the species that we are now like i mean everything was a threat let's be honest <laughs> everything could be scary or bad or life ending and now we live in you know depending on where you live in the world but especially if you live in the United States or another country that's, you know, pretty industrialized and all that, there's not a lot of physical threats to us. Thankfully, you know, we tend to live in hopefully pretty safe, secure homes and all of that. Um, and at the same time, our human brain still will scan regularly for what could go wrong here and we can whether we're consciously aware of it or not still live with a lot of fear even though the things we're afraid of 
like someone being mad at us and not texting us back are very different than like I'm going to leave my cave to go get food for my family and I'm worried I may you know get eaten by a lion um, <laughs> to bring back the line from emotions one-on-one like the threats look different but our brain still processes it very much the same way um so with that step four of asking yourself if you're assuming a threat if you are to name what it is and then also this thing seems pretty important here as a piece of this is to assess the probability that the threatening event will really occur that probability could be high that probability could be really low. I don't know. Depends on the situation at hand. Um, again, I think with the driving example, that's maybe a pretty high probability one of like, yeah, yeah this was almost really bad. <laughs> um, with the person not texting back, I mean, depends on the history there. It depends on a whole bunch of things. But my initial thought is that probability of this threat happening of like, they're never going to talk to me again. It's probably pretty low um so being able to again try to get into your wise mind and look at what's what's the probability here of this threat actually occurring if it's helpful you can think of it as percentages um again i'm of the belief that rarely anything is going to be at the 100 percent <laughs> but it's also probably pretty rare that anything is going to be at the zero percent there's a wide range there where you can look at it like eh, it's probably only 10 percent or like oh, it's maybe more like 80 percent or that could be one way to conceptualize you know is this threat actually gonna happen that i'm worried about i don't really know um so then the next one number five which is similar but also different oh yeah kate Oh, just goes to you, but I think it's I think it ties really well with like looking at the different interpretations. Is the last one on that one? This thing is think of other possible outcomes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just really like that part because I feel like it's hard to remain so firmly in a, like an emotional event if we're really having to exercise our imagination. Um, and so having to strive to be like, all right, here's the threat that I perceive. Here's the outcome I'm afraid of. But how many other ways could this go? Um, I'm just making shit up now, but of the text example, like maybe that person isn't texting you back because they're planning on surprising you with something pleasant and a, you know, soon. I don't know. Right? Like, I don't know. Right? Like, so how many different ways can I imagine this going? I think is another way to get into our mind in a way that makes it harder to be so, I don't know, impulsive or understanding. Yeah, you're right. Um, that is that is part of that one, and I think it is really good that you mentioned that because if you're assessing that the probability is pretty low, like 10%, 20%, whatever it is, of the thing that you're worried about happening, well, then there are 80 to 90% of other possibilities. So if you do kind of think of it, I'm a big fan of like pie charts. If you think of it like a pie chart, right, you've got like one slice of the pie, which is like not text me back because they're angry. What about the rest? What, what else could it be? If there's only a 10% chance of what you think is happening, that that could be the possibility what what else is there you know and again you don't have to get super calculated about this or anything but it is one way to conceptualize it of like so there must be other options and again maybe some of that you might have already covered a little bit in number three but more things may come to you when you work through number four of like okay so this is the thing this is the threat that i'm assuming and you know if it's not very likely then what else is it, you know? Mm -hmm. Especially if you struggle with that a little bit in number three, coming back to a number four can be really helpful. 
So, um, sorry. So, yeah, moving on to number five now. Um, what's the catastrophe? Again, similar, but different at the same time from, like, what's the threat, basically. So, I also want to, I don't know. Kate, you can tell me your thoughts on this. I feel like we have it in almost every group where somebody, like, yeah. takes this question of, like, what's the catastrophe? And they run with it, and they go, like, completely... Uh, they go completely left like because basically what we're saying what's the catastrophe we're more or less asking what is the worst case scenario yeah. and sometimes people go bananas like with nuclear. this Apocalyptic. yeah yeah exactly like that friend is never gonna text me back and then they're gonna go to all of my friends and talk shit about me and then all of my other friends are never gonna be friends with me again and then I'm gonna get fired from my job because my friend works at my job I, I, I mean they go woo, and <laughs> don't go that far into the catastrophe right with that texting example I would say the catastrophe is the worst thing is that the, I mean that friend is they hate you or they're dead. I don't know. I think either one of them would be a catastrophe. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Oh, sorry, that's my chronic worry. I'm sorry. I'm now outing myself. Is that my 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 threat assumption or catastrophe if I don't hear back from someone is they're obviously dead in a ditch somewhere. That's where my brain goes. Hey. Uh, I I mean <laughs> that is a catastrophe. I think you're answering the question there. And I don't know where my head went initially was like the catastrophe is that maybe yeah, truly this friendship is done like you're right they're actually mad at you they're actually done with you this friendship is over but that's realistically probably about as far as it would go um you know i think of another random example here of like i don't know if your boss at your job is like i need to talk to you in my office <laughs> and you start going into all sorts of headspaces about like what is this about right all you know the facts is that all that's happened is they said I need to talk to you in my office. That's it. You don't know anything beyond that. And yet, you could go to all these other scenarios. Now, the worst case scenario there, you know, I would say the catastrophizing, the catastrophe, is you get fired. You know, that's that's probably about as bad as it could go. But sometimes people will. They'll go to all these other crazy things. You know, so the building's going to explode and like blah, 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 you know, or whatever. I don't know. Um, but like think within, I guess within a realistic sense. And yet also actually look at what do you think? What is the worst thing that could possibly happen? Um, based off of what you know of the facts <laughs> thus far, um, how bad could this really go um and so this one i think it's a little bit tricky and a little bit anxiety inducing for lots of people because we don't want to go there i mean it's an uncomfortable unpleasant place to go it's one thing to like assume a threat of like ooh, i'm assuming my boss is upset with me it's another thing to go to oh I could get fired, you know? <laughs> um, then I can't pay my bills this month. They're like, this could be bad. Um, that's a harder place to go to, I would say, mentally in our heads to imagine that. But the reason why DBT asks this question as part of checks, Check the Facts, it wants you to look at that, is because of this really key piece of step number five, which is imagine coping with this catastrophe. 
So let's say you do walk into your boss's office and your boss looks at you and says, yep, I'm firing you, <laughs> whatever way they would phrase that. Then what are you going to do, right? Okay, are you going to pack up your things and go home and then start applying for other jobs right away so that you can find something? And are you maybe going to have to ask a friend or a family member to loan you money so you can get by? Like, what are you going to do if you get fired? How, how are you going to cope with that worst case scenario if that's what happens, right? Remember, yeah. we still don't know. But if that happens, it really wants you to ask, then what? So that's what we're getting at with the catastrophizing stuff there. Um, anything you want to add to that, Kate? No, I think that's... I think that's a good thing that I don't I think you've, you've said it pretty pretty well um I think we can surprise ourselves uh you know like a lot of the things that are worst case scenarios if we actually imagine it happening um kind of like what you were saying I think we're capable of coping with more than we give ourselves credit for mm -hmm. like we just stop at the idea of, of the catastrophe and we don't try and think well what would I do and we can actually be surprisingly reassuring to be like oh yeah it would be fucking awful but here are the things I could do, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I have avenues I could turn towards, or things, you know, things that would help me get through this, or whatever. We just get to the catastrophe and stop. <laughs> so we're gonna move through the catastrophe. Yeah. <laughs> to the other side in our imagination. Yep. And I don't know, maybe other people have this experience, maybe they don't. But even just now in talking about this theoretical scenario about like a boss says, because I mean, I did have this. When we worked in community mental health together, oh Kate and I had a boss. We loved her to some extent, but she was an intimidating woman. Like you, even if it was good news, you never knew. Oh, the theory is seeming always. Yeah. Yep. It was always come see me in my office, even if it was to give you really good news. You just you never knew. And so I was thinking back a little bit on working with her with this theoretical example. But even as I'm talking through it out loud, like and thinking about, you know, again, that catastrophizing of like, oh, my God, I'm going to get fired. Like it, it just it's still when you really dial it back, it's like, wait, hold on. Like. When I look at this, and again, in the facts of this situation, I would look at it and say, the facts of this are, I have been called into her office before when she said that same thing and used that same, same tone, yep. and I haven't been fired. That's a fact. I haven't been fired yet. Like, you know, and it, when you think about the catastrophe, sometimes for some people, I feel like for, again, for some people, it's really anxiety provoking. For other people, it's almost laughable. It can be of like, well... I mean, that is the worst case scenario, but like now I sound kind of silly, like thinking about that. So it can really vary and it can really depend on the situation and the person and like, you know, be kind to yourself no matter which way you go. There is not a right or wrong here of how to respond. But that was a response that I had internally of like, yeah, it does kind of sound a little bit ridiculous to be like, oh my God, I'm going to get fired today. Like, wait, hold on. Okay, I don't yeah, know. I was going to be fired today. Like six times in the last eight weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. So that's a really important piece of that fifth step there of asking yourself, what's the catastrophe? But also imagine yourself coping with it. That's the key piece there. What would I do if this happened? Okay. So 
we have gone through all of those. I'm going to briefly recap before we get to the sixth and final step, which is the first step. What is the emotion I want to examine? Second step, what's the event that prompted this emotion? Third step, what are my interpretations, thoughts, and assumptions about the event? Fourth step, am I assuming a threat? Fifth step, what's the catastrophe? And now we reach the end of the line. Wow. And the final sixth step or question to ask yourself is, does my emotion and or its intensity fit the actual facts? Um, so this is a good spot to talk about that word intensity because what I tend to see when we do this with clients in groups or when I've roughly, I mean, not with formally teaching the skill to clients in my individual work with them, but again, kind of asking some questions to get them to like look at this a little bit is like, okay, so sure, maybe it does make total sense to feel that anger, right? That anger's there for some reason. Does it make sense to feel it out of nine? out of 10? Or does it make more sense to maybe feel it out of four? Like, <laughs> that's what we're talking about with intensity. Because um, as we talked about with Emotions 101, we can feel all of our emotions on a spectrum, ranging from mild to extreme. And does it make sense to feel an emotion to an extreme degree in every situation? No, it doesn't. That may be called for in some situations in life, but more often than not, I would say we're, you know, it makes more sense to kind of feel it to a lesser extent, I suppose. Um, yeah. Anything you want to add to that, Kate? No, I think, I think you did pretty, pretty spot on, which is, you know, the first question is the emotion itself. And the second question is, okay, even if the emotion is, is, you know, on par, is commensurate, is the intensity of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, mad? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Enrage? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Maybe not. Exactly. So there can be lots of different possibilities when you work through these questions about a particular scenario. Um, because you may get to the end and realize, nope, this emotion, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fit. Um, or you may get to the end and realize this emotion does fit, but like we were just talking about, the intensity of it does not or you may realize, yep, both fit. It makes My like and the intensity are spot on. Yep. Given the circumstances, given the facts that I know, it makes total sense that I would be feeling this emotion to the degree that I am feeling it. That that can and does happen. I think sometimes in groups, people think that when we go through this, that the purpose of check the facts is to be a sneaky way of being like, ha, 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 see, your emotions are getting away from you again, and, you know, don't listen to them, and, yeah, like, it, I think some people can feel invalidated by this process until Kate and I say, guess what, sometimes your emotions and or their intensity really will fit the facts, <laughs> that happens, um, actually, I would say maybe on a fairly regular basis that you work through all of this and you realize yes it fits and here's the thing if it doesn't fit that's where the opposite action stuff we'll be getting to next week comes into play we're going to talk about what you can do if there's a mismatch there if your emotions are either too intense for the facts of the situation or the emotion itself 
it doesn't fit to be feeling what you're feeling. Again, it does not make the emotion bad. It does not make the emotion wrong. That emotion just gave you a ton of information. A ton of information. Now you just get to decide if you want to listen to it or not. <laughs> and again, if it doesn't fit the facts, that may not be the path to go down of doing what this emotion is telling you to do. You might want to make a different choice instead. That's all. Not that the emotion was bad or wrong, <laughs> but that that's not what we necessarily maybe want to do is what that emotion is saying. Um, so yeah, Kate's going to talk a little bit about like, you know, ta-da, your emotion and or its intensity did fit the facts. Woohoo! <laughs> and then what? <laughs> if it does, if it did. Well, before I launch into that, I, I didn't see a good time earlier, but I do like my, my one sentence summary. Oh, yeah, like your main question, the one that... Yeah, my main question yeah. is just, what do I actually know? Mm -hmm. And like, to be intensely precise with the word no. Mm -hmm. Not what's my best guess, not what has my experience led me to believe, not, you know, nothing, but actual, like spot on knowledge um, and to just sort of it's nice that I, I like asking myself that pretty regularly almost anytime there's an anxiety um, for me is like wait a second what do I actually know right so I don't know I know the car moved over in front of me I know I haven't gotten a text message yet I know my boss wants to talk to me that's mm -hmm. it everything past that is a story I'm making up yep um and at that point, we do get a bit of a choice on do we want to make up a story that's going to leave us freaked out, sad, angry, anxious, whatever. Or do we want to tell ourselves a story that leaves us feeling calmer and, you know, more peaceful, more able to move through the world. Um, or, and I would say this is, I don't know, like an 11 on a scale of 10 of difficulty. So please bear that in mind. Can we hang out in the ambiguity? Like, can we actually go, ah, oh, that's all I know. That's it. That's all I know. And actually everything else would just be a story I'm choosing to make up, right? Like, so can I hang out in the waiting, in the waiting space until I get more information? Just really, really, really hard. Yeah. Um, human brains do not like that, right? So if you've ever done that, give yourself, I don't know, the giantest of kudos right now. Um, and if you haven't, uh, you're human and that's okay. Yep. <laughs> Actually, so I, I, those are the things. I, I yeah. Just, for me, the whole check the facts can be in an emergency, in a, you know, in a split second, can come down to just what do I know? Yep. Um, to piggyback on that a little bit, because yeah. my therapist, this was a little while ago, but fairly recently. I mean, I think it was within the last three months or so. But I didn't even realize that I had a pretty bad habit of saying, I know, da 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 da, -da right? Oh, I know that bothers so-and-so when I do that. Oh, I know that this was going to happen. I know, but like, I did not realize how often I say that phrase, I know, followed by yeah. fill in the blank here. I had no idea and she in like a kind loving way but basically drew my attention to it and encouraged me whenever I think that or whenever I say that to try to rephrase it in some other way rather than saying oh I know that like my mom hates when I do that 
or whatever it is, to say instead, yeah, I don't think my mom likes it very much when I do that. Yeah. It changes the experience, let yeah. me tell you. So that question that you just talked about I think is so important because it really does remind us that most of the time <laughs> there is very little that we actually know because we yep. make a lot of assumptions all throughout our day that we're not even aware of. And I mean, I still catch myself fairly regularly saying, I know, da, da, da. It's, a, it's a really hard thing to break. And I do try to catch it more and it's really helpful. So that's something to, again, like, I don't know, take in for yourself. If that feels helpful for you of like, you know, how often am I really telling myself, I know this, I know that. And do you really? Yeah, we abuse the hell out of the word no. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Anyways, that was all I wanted to say before we get into the last little bit here about... That. Yeah. Um, so, um, I'm going to look a little bit at one of the worksheets here um, because and just go on a couple of examples um, of times when the emotions might fit the facts. Um, but then, just sort of more generally speaking, what if the emotion and the intensity fit the facts? Um so there's a lot more examples on here, but just a few of them, like fear. It totally makes sense to be feeling fear if there's a threat to your life or threat to your health or well-being. Like, that makes sense. Um, anger, you know, if you or someone you care about is being attacked or hurt or threatened. Um, disgust, uh, if, you know, you literally, like, I think it like, I like this, I don't know why. You've been poisoned. <laughs> yeah, you could, could poison or contaminate you. That's just cracked me up. Um, right, but someone you deeply dislike is touching you, or you're around a group who, you know, feels really like it, I don't know, is against your values or, you know, belief systems. Um, I'm glad that they put envy and jealousy separately. They're different words, folks. They're not synonyms. Um, right, so you're envious if someone has something that you want or need it but can't have. Um, anyway, so it's, it's just, uh, I like it. You can always look it up. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of situations, I guess, that I want to say that sometimes we're we're right spot on right give yourself the opportunity to be correct <laughs> and check that out um so if you get to the end of check the facts and you're like well yup um that i think is a is an invitation to then sort of go back to the original emotion that you were examining and check out what it's urging you towards or away from right what is the action or dissociated with that emotion. Um, there still needs to be some filters. It can't be like, well, the emotion and the intensity are correct, so I guess I'm just going to do whatever the emotion wants me to, because even totally appropriate emotions can lead us to inappropriate or unsafe actions, right? You'd be like, yep, I absolutely, being enraged is appropriate. And I don't know, Popping that person's tires is not. <laughs> yes, um, it's not a free pass to do whatever no. you want to do. <laughs> That's what it's not, right? It's not just, but it is worth assessing, right? It's worth looking at and be like, all right, yeah, I am, I am enraged, or I am petrified, or I am, you know, crushed emotionally. What, what does that feeling prompt me towards? And then you can go through other questions. Is that safe? Is that, you know, technically accessible to me? Is that going to put something else in danger down the line, right? Feels really good right now, but I'm going to get fired for it. You know, something like that. Um, 
So but listen, engage the conversation, engage the emotion in that conversation to an extent. Um, and then also, I think of it as you know, if you found that the emotion is, um, what does it say, not fixed, is not fitting the facts. Give me Christmas. Um, then Michelle is talking about a little bit like offensive action, which we'll talk about next week. Um, but you can, you know, you're like, all right, I'm not going to follow the emotions. Uh, but in this case, if they if they are correct, they are appropriate, if they do fit the facts, even if you don't go with the first thing the emotion wants or the full extent of what the emotion wants, you probably still want to act in line with that emotion, right? You probably want to find a way to have some healthy expression of that, either to the person that's causing it or if that's just unsafe, maybe to a friend, maybe to a family member, maybe into your journal, right? Um, some amount of explicitly validating and expressing uh, that emotional state. Uh, and then also shifting into some sort of self-soothing um, rather than trying to explicitly like get out of that emotional experience or take a right-hand turn with that emotional experience. You're not trying to change it. You're just trying to soothe it. You're trying to help yourself feel better, feel okay, feel more capable. So that's, that's kind of what I think about it is, one, all right, time to have that conversation, emotion. Uh, you were closer to right than maybe I thought. <laughs> what is it you want me to do? And if it's like, burn it all down. Okay, well, can't do that. <laughs> uh, but I can go hit my punching bag for 30 minutes. I can do that. That's, that's in line with being angry. <laughs> so, all right, we, we can ask it. Right? Uh, you know, after a few times of telling it, I can't, you know, burn it all down. Maybe it'll start to, you know, have different impulses anyway. But, <laughs> right, look at it and, and, and consider acting in ways that feel in alignment uh, with how, with what your emotion is. Um, and look more at soothing rather than changing. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other thoughts on that, Michelle? I did a moment ago, and then it flew away. Um, oh, I remember. It just came back. Um, that I think it can be really important with this checking the facts idea is that if you grew up in a family where you were consistently told or given messages that your feelings were wrong or bad or something like that. Yep. Like, for example, if you're a little kid and you fall down and scrape your knee and you feel scared and sad and you're crying and you're upset that's a that probably fits the facts for a kid right like you just got hurt um and you're a child so like you can't you know you need someone to take care of that for you but if in your family rather than a parent coming over and saying oh yeah let's go clean that up and put a band-aid on it yeah you know we'll take care of that if you came from a family where they were like quit your crying like you know um yeah like if your emotions were invalidated or the way they were expressed was invalidated and you didn't feel held and supported by people in your life when you were feeling whatever emotion it was this may be kind of tough for you because to actually see, again, there may be times, it could be hard either way, I think. It could be hard to see, oh, my emotions don't fit the facts. We don't want you to feel invalidated all over again. <laughs> um, and it can also maybe be hard, too, when, like, your feelings do fit the facts. Because you're maybe not used to knowing how to be kind to yourself, like Kate was just talking about. 
when everything does line up and how to accept it when you're like, oh, like again, metaphorically, like, oh, it does make sense to cry when I scrape my knee. Oh, like that's, that's okay. <laughs> like it may, it may be, um, an experience that really stirs some stuff up in you and may feel kind of foreign. Um, so I don't know. I just wanted to tack that on a little bit that it may be hard to validate yourself that like oh my emotions do fit the facts sometimes they will sometimes they won't and to really be okay with either way that it goes yeah yep I, that's a really good point michelle thanks that up i think that's good yeah Yep. Um, so I'm done with that. You want to give them their homework? Yeah. So, um, homework this week. So we're going to post the check the facts, uh, worksheet. It is a two pager. And basically we encourage you to work through it to, if you can take some time to sit and answer the questions. Like we talked about, you can do this for an event that hasn't happened yet. If you're having a strong feeling anticipating it, you could do it about an event that's already happened as a way to debrief it. Just change, I mean, the wording to basically past tense. Like instead of what are my interpretations, you can say, what were my interpretations? <laughs> so you can easily alter it for an after the fact thing that has already occurred. But to work through it or, I mean, kind of, again, the shorter abbreviated version of sitting down and doing a worksheet is not your thing. And that requires you printing it out and all this jazz to just do what Kate said. What do I know? Ask yourself that question at least once this week. What do I know? When you find yourself feeling strong emotions, especially about something that hasn't occurred yet. What do I know? And to just see how that experience is for you um it's a fabulous question to have in your back pocket that you can pull out pretty easily and ask yourself so that's what we're recommending either do the more long drawn out worksheet <laughs> if you want or keep kate's question in mind and ask it to yourself periodically when it arises for you and um email us dbt and me podcast at gmail.com questions concerns anything like that check the facts um i don't know kate i don't know how you feel about this um so far but i feel like this is maybe the hardest skill we've gotten into so far i mean wise mind can be a bit tricky to like actually do um check the facts is a, it's a complex one it's it's tough so if you get stuck along the way email us ask us questions so we can help you out um, or post them in the Facebook group. If you're part of the Facebook group, then we respond um, more immediately to those <laughs> than in a Q&A episode. If you're just like, I'm not understanding this step or what does it mean? You know, mm -hmm. ask ask away and we'll be happy to help. Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. All right. Closing moment. Closing moment. Okay, okay. So, as I'm just going to go ahead and invite everybody to get into a comfy position. That could be sitting, standing, laying down, whatever works for you right now. Uh, and if you're in a place and a situation where you're comfortable and safe doing so, I also invite you to go ahead and close your eyes. As always, we are going to begin by just tuning into our breathing. Just noticing. 
You don't have to breathe any more slowly or any more deeply than you are naturally. And it's just about focusing your awareness. Just about letting your breath bring you into your body and into the moment. Now I'd like you, please, to bring to mind a situation in your recent past about which you got riled up. That could mean you got angry, it could mean you felt very hurt, it could mean that you felt a lot of anxiety. Uh, the particular emotion isn't as important as just that it was intense. So bring that situation to mind, kind of allow the emotions from that situation to come into your mind and into your body. And as you're doing that, I'd like you to start breaking that down. Like we were talking about earlier, I'd like you just to start with the question, what do I know? Take a minute to really pare down the experience to the bare bones facts. What was done? What was said? Just look at the experience as objectively as you're able to. This may take a couple of moments. This may take a couple of tries, and that's okay. Especially after the fact, it is, or can be, very difficult to look at a situation without our interpretations and our biases coloring it. When you feel like you have a decent understanding of what the facts are by themselves, take a moment and look at how you interpreted them. What meaning did you assign to what happened? What motivations did you assign to the other parties involved? What story did you tell yourself about what happened? Or why it happened, or how it happened. Ask yourself, did I actually know that thing, or did I think that thing? And if it falls into the category of thinking or feeling, set it there in a separate pile away from the fact. And now, look at what actions you took. What did you do in response to what happened? Can you tell how your actions were impacted by those thoughts, those interpretations, those assumptions? Do you think without those, you might have behaved or acted differently? And there's no right or wrong answer here. It's possible that you will review this situation and simply come to the conclusion that yes, even looking at it later, that's still exactly how I would have or would have wanted to behave. And maybe you don't. 
Maybe you realize you acted on things you didn't know, or on assumptions you were carrying into the situation. And upon review, you choose to behave differently. Neither one is right or wrong. It's just about taking the opportunity to slow down what may have happened in a moment. And take it and look at thin slices of the event until we really feel like we can see the chain of events as they happened. From the core factual elements to our emotional response and interpretations and how both the facts and our internal reality determined our response. While this can be very difficult to do in the moment, this is something very accessible to you after the fact. And taking the time to review situations and break them down this way really help to slow it down in the moment later. The more you practice, the better you'll get. Once you've looked at the facts, at your feelings, at your actions, do try not to judge whatever it is you did or said. Hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say, and it's okay if you would have done something differently now. The only changes we can make are to the future. No need to judge our past selves. We were doing the best we could. And now, if you feel able to, I'd invite you to let go of that experience or event. But you may choose to hang on to what you learn. And slowly start coming back into your body. You might roll your wrists or ankles, your shoulders or neck, whatever feels good in your body right now to help you come back out of the imagined situation and back into the current moment and into the room. And when you feel ready, go ahead and open your eyes. Thank you so much, everybody. All right. Thanks. We'll see you next week. To learn more about us and the DBT skills we're teaching each week, join our Facebook group. Simply log in to your Facebook profile and search for DBT and Me Podcast.